Welcome home, brave heroes. I'm Ash. This is Ash Quest. And today I'm so excited. I'm so happy because in just a few short days, the classic Hero Quest expansion, which did not come to the US, titled Against the Ogre Horde, is getting its remaster, its remake, really. Uh, thanks to Avalon Hills. 2021 release of Hero Quest. We are getting this awesome expansion March 1st. It is my favorite Hero Quest expansion for a few reasons. And to see Avalon Hill's take on it, I'm beyond excited. First of all, first of all, just a quick introduction, little update. I'm Ash. This is the podcast, now official called The Bwodecast. We talk about all things Hero Quest, Dungeon Crawl, Dungeon Crawl adjacent, and mainly Hero Quest and Avalon Hill news, but also a variety of other unboxings, solo gameplays, and just just about anything I can get my hands on. March 1st, it's official, folks. It's coming in just a few days. It's not going to be a pre-order. It is just going to be available. You will be able to buy it. I don't know what kind of behavior we're going to see from folks. I don't know what kind of business model uh, or success the companies are going to get from this business model. I, I don't know if um, it's better to just release something. I see this being a, a good sort of experiment for Hasbro slash Avalon Hill to kind of see if in the future they just want to release it instead of tease and then have a pre-order uh, here and there inconsistently. The, the shipment of products coming out in different waves and staggered so that some people who order first but get their products later than others, maybe we're going to see that come to an end. Maybe they figured it out after umpteen releases and this is going to get out to everybody just as fast as it possibly can. Against the Ogre Horde, March 1st, and this is coming off of a official Avalon Hill outlet on social media, which is their Instagram. And there's there's been quite a huge shift in how their advertising works and how they deliver the information to fans and followers. We had Twitter Zargon, and that feels like such a bygone era now. One of the um, Avalon Hill employees role-playing as evil mastermind Zargon in a kind of silly way on Twitter, making sure to keep all of his declarations of dread under a certain character limit and usually uh, being quite liberal with that caps lock. It feels like it feels like a distant dream, but I'm, I'm glad that there's been a tonal shift because now I get to imagine that, you know, that that was a, that was really a single person. And unfortunately, that person is more than likely amongst the employees at Avalon Hill that were let go during the big layoff. But point being, I now get to imagine that as as pure. It's not like somebody else is going to replace that. You know, they're, they're not going to pretend to have somebody else step into the role. I, we get to count that as an era. And to see just like a, the entire shift go from Twitter to Instagram, which we've probably always had an Instagram, but now that is where the meat of all of the announcements and everything seems to go be going straight to Instagram. Uh, so such that I would counsel anybody and everybody who wants the news directly from the source as soon as it happens 
to be following Avalon Hill on Instagram. Now, yeah, you can also follow at, uh, me while you're while you're there. I don't post hardly ever, but sometimes I do. That's Rewonderland. But anyways, anyways, anyways. Uh, excited to see the stuff they've revealed, and because of the festival in France at Cannes, they have revealed the contents of Against the Ogre Horde. They've revealed what's in the box. And that's got me more excited than anything. We knew what was in the box because we had pictures of the back of the box. Pictures that were clearly not faked, clearly not AI generated. Uh, did see some discussion about that. Some some doubt, which I tried quickly to stamp out. I never thought that those were faked. I thought the notion that they could be faked was was quite silly. Because there are tells, there are things to look for with that, and there are there are motivations for why something like that could be faked. But none of that was present in in what we were really seeing, what was really right in front of our eyes. So glad that the contents have have just been proven. And um, I mean, unless the photographs we've seen were also faked, <laughs> I'll give you that one. We have so many confirmations, <clears throat> and I'm pretty thrilled to be right on so many of my predictions and so many things that I wanted to see, I am seeing. A big shout out to Avalon Hill. Uh, Chris Nato, who is no longer with the company, but was definitely involved in the production and the design of this expansion uh, for all of their hard work in getting this one out. Because like I said, or maybe I, I don't know if I had the chance to say it yet, Against the Ogre Horde was my favorite, is my favorite of all the HeroQuest expansions. I've got words to say about all of them, but Against the Ogre Horde is the one that wins my favor easily. And it looks like this version of the expansion might might end up being my favorite of the contemporary expansions as well. So, so differences, differences. Um... By the way, HeroQuest, that, that wasn't the only thing they showed off at the festival. It was a big, big deal. Uh, great place to show stuff off like this, by the way. Beautiful presentations. Lots of people, lots of exposure, getting your stuff out there and, and really celebrating it. Man, if you are a European and you think U.S. gets all the cool stuff, you guys have some of the coolest reveals and you get to claim, you get to claim that, unless unless you're outside of France and you don't want to be, <laughs> you're just as locked out of France as I am. Um, I guess that's one thing. But but the the reveals at Essenspiel and the reveals at Cannes and and the stuff that we got to see uh, teased when when they finally showed us the front of the Ogre Horde box a, a while back. That was all, that was, I think that was in Italy. Uh, awesome to see that stuff though, over there. Awesome to see it, even if it wasn't in my neighborhood. And uh, like I said, like I said, they, that wasn't the only thing that they showed off. Avalon Hill also officially, completely, it's canon, it's proven, it's evidenced, it's cemented in lore and history. Avalon Hill's Talisman, 5th edition. That is something to get crazy excited over. Uh, if you're a Talisman fan and you're loving the direction of Avalon Hill's work with HeroQuest, 
you know that they're going to be working on putting out talisman expansion after expansion. Hopefully, hopefully with miniatures that will be just as fantastic as the HeroQuest miniatures. Uh, hopefully with all of the bells and whistles, all of the X-Packs that we have come to expect with a standard edition of Talisman. I'm too excited. I'm too excited and I'm going to lose myself again in my nerdiness. And I'm I'm probably going to uh, probably going to have energy shifts throughout this this stream. But um, if you're new here, if you're new here, this is part of a, a bigger, a bigger channel. I don't know if I said that this take. I've had a few takes, guys. I've had a few takes because my energy's been all over the place. So I apologize if I repeat myself from time to time. But this is part of the AshQuest YouTube channel. So if you want more and you're not getting enough because of the weekly podcasts, make sure you go check out AshQuest on YouTube. That's where we really dig into homebrew and unboxing and presentations and solo play and get video form. And you'll get the odd vlog from time to time as well. Um, but mainly just trying to inspire people to create. So if you, if you feel like you need some inspiration to create homebrew or get ideas for stuff you probably already have lying around, probably have used a few times and want to use more, get more mileage out of, then please go check it out. And for those of you who want to support the, the entire channeldom uh, more directly, there's a Patreon. Uh, but enough about that. Enough about that. You can go there to see pictures. I also encourage you to visit uh, the Old Inn, either on Facebook or the Old Inn website, if you are a HeroQuest fan, in order to get the non-social media uh, big platforms versions of the news. So usually whenever something pops up on Instagram or Twitter or anywhere, it gets shared. And it'll get shared on Facebook because Facebook's very accessible to a lot of people. But there are also a lot of people who choose not to have Instagram, not to have Twitter, not to have Facebook. And I totally understand that. I probably wouldn't have those platforms either if it weren't for my branding and the experimentation with trying to uh, get more followers through social media. And then, um, well, uh, my grandma. But it, besides that, besides that, I don't love the, the, the various social media platforms. I, I don't consider any of them uh, my favorite. They all have their own unique problems and their own user bases that can be sometimes problematic. Uh, and, and those of you who stay off of all of them, I salute you, I commend you. But if you want to visit communities where this news is pretty quickly cross-posted by other fans, then the Old Inn uh, website, which has its own forum, very old school style stuff. Go check that out and you'll be kept pretty up to date. Or subscribe, or subscribe to AshQuest because, because I'm going to talk about this stuff as soon as I can. I have a full time job on uh, Friday through Saturday, Sunday. Wow. Can't even talk. I'm so excited. But, um, you know, with, with your help, with the growth of the channel, with your kind viewership, uh, that could be. It could be that I can tackle this stuff day one every single time. Maybe, maybe in the very near future. We'll see. We'll see how that plays out. But for now, let's get back to the podcast. Let's get back to talking about these awesome finds, these awesome reveals. We don't know, uh, just to cover it really quick, what's in the talisman box. We don't have a confirmation of the contents of that as of this time. We only have a 
partial image of the back of the box, unless somebody gets a better picture and posts it um, kind of as of the time of this video being recorded. Um, but we get the beautiful cover and it's, it's so nice to see. It is a great cover. I love Avalon Hills art directors. Uh, they're artists, they're sculptors. They do such amazing work. They are fantastic. They are great at what they do. Shout out to the, you guys. You'll probably never hear this, but you deserve all the kudos in the world uh, for, for putting your own unique vision on stuff that is beloved, that is sacred to a lot of us dungeon crawlers and us uh, classic board game players. It's a new era with the stuff that you make. And I would almost liken it to uh, as if Games Workshop was the old world and Avalon Hill was Age of Sigmar. It's its own thing. It's, it's kind of, kind of, we know what to expect, but the territory is unfamiliar just enough that we could be very surprised or very disappointed. But I think a lot more of us are surprised. And I think very few of us, not even really a vocal minority, are disappointed in anything. You'll get the odd complaint here and there, like, why is the druid wearing fruit on her head or, or, or something like that? You know, it's, something, it's nothing that ever matters. Nothing that ever matters. Something I've openly criticized in my very first podcast episode on Amalgamash was when somebody was like, oh, this looks woke. Go home. Go, go take a nap. Go take a nap. Man, uh, <laughs> I won't get, I don't want to get too real. I don't want to get into all that, but man, get out of here. So, so Talisman, totally excited for her. I think it's awesome that Avalon Hill have it. I, I think they're going to do a fantastic job with it. And I'm looking forward to all of its releases, releases plural, because Talisman's never just a one-time thing. There's usually the four corners of the outer boards that are uh, released either in pairs or in singles, depending on which edition you look at. There are additional expansions that change the way that the gameplay works or adds elements to it anyway. There are expansions that create bridges between the corner boards, the corner outer boards, and just create this massive gameplay space. And, you know, a game that takes 3,000 turns to play could easily become a game that takes 6,000 turns to play. But gotta love it. <clears throat> One more thing about that, and then I can kind of move back uh, to my other subject. Uh, I've, seen, I've seen statements uh, kind of around Games Workshop, who own the IP, uh, by the way, who, who can license it out, but still have ownership of Talisman. Saying, you know, you can, you can make your miniatures, but they can't compare to the quality of a Games Workshop miniature. Uh, they have to be playing pieces, you know. Uh, that is very subjective wording. I, I uh, declare that you can make any playing piece, any quality you want, and still argue the case that it's a playing piece and doesn't compare to Games Workshop's miniatures quality. I think that that clause is in there for more like direct competition to Games Workshop products. I don't think it's necessary to be concerned that the miniatures won't look fantastic. I think that they very well could be and likely will be on par with our Hero Quest miniatures one-to-one. 
I not just speaking in terms of scale, but in terms of quality. And I think that those miniatures could be used to be gameplay miniatures once they're out. I don't know this. I haven't seen them. And I don't have evidence to suggest my points. These points are completely faith-based. I put these skill points in faith this time around. Because I think on the table... On, on paper, it's easy to say, oh, crap, well, we better use pawns. But on the table, talking to those guys, I think you could say, well, you know, you could even take this approach and you can convert this to all the business lingo you want. But essentially, it could boil down to this conversation. Oh, mighty Kingdoms Workshop sculptors, I beseech thee, for it is obvious that not even mine own masterful hero quest miniature sculpting skills could compare to thine own in terms of classic or contemporary citadel miniature quality. Therefore, I urge you and your perspective to see that these miniatures are clearly inferior, but playing pieces when compared to your own, thine own masterful uh, masterworks. Um, you know... You know what I mean? You picking up what I'm putting down? Are you, are you reading the dice that I'm rolling here? It would not be difficult to say that a Hero Quest miniature just doesn't have the exact same craftsmanship applied to it as uh, the high dollar Age of Sigmar or 40k or, or the old world resurgence here miniatures. These these miniatures have uh, a very particular quality to them because they are designed to be sold in singles and for rather high dollar amounts so i don't have a single concern that the miniatures won't be awesome and people will really really like them you know they're, they're not going to be the same aesthetic as old talisman clearly because they're not going to be games workshop they're not going to be that aesthetic they're also not going to be the same as our fourth edition talisman because uh those minis those minis they're they're pretty they're uh, most of them in my opinion in my humble opinion most of not all most of the talisman fourth edition minis are are not great they're they're overly tiny the details are a bit um i would i would say they're they're just not it for me and i don't think it's because they were dumbed down so as to be called playing pieces and not miniatures they're clearly either or i think that's a matter of perspective if you want them to be miniatures they're miniatures if you want them to be playing pieces guess what warhammer's most expensive miniature is a playing piece the miniatures themselves though the quality of them i just i don't i don't like them I don't personally like most of them. There are some really cool ones that come with some of the expansions that are that are kind of a, above and beyond the other ones by a magnitude of power. But um, yeah, they're they're leagues above. Uh, some of the ones that come with the Reaper expansion, I would get up and go get the box, but I I don't want to do that right now. Are really cool. The Evil Queen on the Throne sculpt. I know that's not exactly what it is, but that's the one I have in my head. She's amazing. And these are on par with, you know, you, you could call these miniatures easily. These are game, uh, miniature, wargaming, whatever pieces you want to say. Uh, they're just using a board game that plays a little bit like uh, 
not quite monopoly. Fantasy monopoly without the properties. You're, you're trying to monopolize uh, a crown of command. Not you're not you're not flexing their mama's rent. You're you're flexing a crown that will allow you to control dragons or or other gods or Arkham villains or command the forces of chaos, depending on which which uh, which kind of talisman you're playing. I'm not sure what the crown of command does in in the Harry Potter Wizarding World version. I'm not sure what that one does because I don't I don't have that one. But, oh man, no matter what happens, Talisman Fifth Edition is going to be great. I think most of us can agree on that. There might be a few people who are like, "Yeah, well, we don't know what's in the box." Take the sourness elsewhere. I'm excited. I'm excited. Get excited with me. And you know, I I hope we see original content too. I hope that they do their four corners. Uh, I hope they're not too too exploitative about it. I hope they don't shuffle their feet too much on it. I hope they do the two at a time. Like we got with uh, third edition talisman, instead of instead of one, I don't I don't I don't like that business model, but I also just don't want to see it because I want it to be more quickly available. I want you to buy fewer things to be able to get the whole experience. You know, it's it's a greedy consumer mindset, uh, but I think they can do it, and I think they could. I think they I think they they might even do it. I think they would do it. I think they will do it. I'll just go ahead and say it that way. I think they'll do two at a time corners. Um, <clears throat> for those who who don't know what I'm talking about, don't worry. It, it's it's just talisman. It's just talisman things. It's one of the unique things about talisman. That's all. But back to Hero Quest. Back to Hero Quest. Uh, so against the Ogre Horde is my favorite of all the expansions. It is one that was not released in the US, not released in Japan. It's harder to say where it was released because I'll end up saying all these different countries that were in the EU, not a part of the EU, Australia. I just usually refer to these European editions of HeroQuest and their expansions as the EU or UK editions. I know that's not technically correct, but for practical reasons, I um, I, I kind of cut it off there. I, I cap it there. And People who, who watch generally understand there's usually not a lot of misunderstanding surrounding that. So I don't see a need to delineate that and to say, you know, the, the actual 15 countries in which it was released or anything like that. But it was a in EU, UK, Australia, whatever, only expansion. It didn't come to the States. And um, there they had two, of course. They had Wizards of Morkar, which so far has not been remade. But my hopes remain very high that it will be. And against the Ogre Horde. And I'm happy. I'm happy about this because uh, that it's being re- remade and released here. Because it seemed like it was going to be very, very difficult to tackle that project. It, and it probably was. It probably had to take a lot of consideration. Because fundamentally, the rules for the U.S. edition of HeroQuest, which are now the global rules. Those are the rules on which the 2021 HeroQuest is based. Uh are they they facilitate harder combat the the monsters generally have more than one body point the stronger monsters have multiple and in against the ogre horde we had monsters who the ogres who had more than one body point significantly more than one body point no matter how you rolled the dice well there are exceptions but we'll get to that we'll get to that in a second we're going to get to one of my favorite things about the ogre horde here in a second this new edition means that avalon hill took the time the resources the manpower the consideration 
and dug into the EU expansion uh, of the EU game system, which facilitates more exploration and slightly easier combat in that most enemies, when you hit them, they just die. There's not wounds, which is which is strange for a Games Workshop property. Uh, there's just the one body point. It's, it's their entire body. That's the point. And when you roll a skull and they don't roll a black shield, that monster's dying. Uh, almost every monster, every quest. With very few exceptions. So EU was very much, hey, you, you never needed to really do door combat. You could just run in and slice the monsters apart. And, um, you know, not saying they had fewer defend dice or fewer attack dice. That, that was still a thing. The combat was still significant. Combat is still a very important part of the game. But you could branch out a little more. Your heroes could be a little more daring. And the dungeons could be more surprising in terms of, ah, crap, I lost my last body point. Wasn't expecting that versus the very cautious approach of doorway combat, barbarian in front that most U.S. players tend to fall into when things kind of get difficult. Also, the mercenaries. The mercenaries were introduced pretty quickly uh, in the European editions because the EU had HeroQuest Advanced Quest, which came with the Dark Company and 12 henchmen. And uh, the henchman system was so cool, so, so cool, because you were allowed to hire henchmen, and for a smaller fee, you could retain them between quests as long as they didn't die. And, you know, if your hero died, your henchmen were like, screw this, I'm getting out of here. Henchmen, men-at-arms, mercenaries, I'm going to use these terms uh, interchangeably. No need to hear a quest explain me the correction in any on any of those points. No need, no need not important enough to do that uh so the system was really really cool because they supplied you with all static miniatures that had cavities in them these cavities would be where you would insert uh separate plastic molds uh, models of weapons and get four different weapon types and inserting this weapon into the slot meant that this mercenary this men at arms was of a very specific type there were four types altogether. Now, the Avalon Hills stuff, they've given us unique molds for each of these men-at-arms, each of these mercenaries, and I think that that's really, really cool because it, it allows them to go a different direction with the art. It allows them to say, all right, this, this particular men-at-arms henchman mercenary is in this dynamic pose, wielding this sword as one would, rather than holding it at kind of an at-ease position like the classic ones. Um, but I'm, I'm talking, uh, kind of going off on a tangent, talking about the difficulty system. And I, really the only point I wanted to make was one that a lot of you already know, that the difficulty of against the ogre horde would be ramped up to almost extreme proportions if you converted the expansion to the U.S. rule set. Uh, and this comes with a couple of side points. There's no need to make any changes at all to a quest book. If you're playing the UK or US edition, the quest book has nothing in it that overrides or overrules anything in the game system. It does give you the body points, mind points, movement, dice, or, or rather movement, uh, total movement that a monster can make, not movement dice, um, as well as any applicable dread spells and attack dice and defend dice that unique monsters have. But other than that, you can apply whatever rule set you want to whatever book you want. And 
depending on the rule set that you're applying, you could get a drastically different kind of quest. So Avalon Hill's challenge then would be, when we take this against the Ogre Horde quest book, and we, we apply the U.S. rules, it's going to be very difficult. So, they have a few things to look at here. What stats should the ogres have to accommodate for the, the kind of difficulty that the players will now have? Uh, what kinds of treasures should we include or change so that the players will be able to access certain things easier? And do we want to make any other additive changes? Because the accessibility of this quest is kind of kind of like classic. Uh, once you complete the game system, you should be able to play the expansion. Doesn't matter what e expansion it is. And I know just as well as you might know that there is an official suggestion of the lore order of the quests. Um, I think this was to appease people. I don't think it was totally necessary. I think it was really going off of what makes the most sense. And any anybody who's a fan of the game system who's played through the expansions could easily order up a, a lore order for the expansions and say, well, I think it makes sense if this is how it goes. And they really wouldn't be invalid. But we do have an official suggestion for the lore order that's not necessarily a playthrough order it's not saying hey you got to play you have to play um mage of the mirror before you can play rise of the dread moon that's going to be a contentious point for some people um i think it's pretty clear that you play rise of the dread moon after given the rogue air and the elf lore no no think about it um, actually read the quest book. You can play them backwards just fine. It won't, it won't affect your gameplay whatsoever. Still a point of contention, still going to be people then try to correct. No need for that. No need for that. I'll tell you what. The official Avalon Hill statement, I will say, made from an employee, um, now sadly a former employee, was... These need to be as accessible as possible. I'm paraphrasing here. You should only have to have played the game system to play the expansion. That's it. If you start going by a rigid list of expansions and you tackle them one at a time, you're only going to grow in power, presumably. And the expansion will be presented, uh, you know, as how they wanted you to play it, but you won't be playing it that way. You won't be experiencing it how it was meant to be experienced. You won't be playing it how it was meant to be played. It's meant to be played with a team of heroes that came out of the game system. Nothing stopping you from tackling every expansion you want, even multiple times, and then playing the new one with powered-up heroes. That's going to be you know, an experience all its own, one you've earned, one you have earned. You're still going to get a couple of enemies that might provide you with some challenge, uh, you're still going to get some interesting scenarios. You won't have anything taken away from you by, by doing it that way. But just know, this is going to be designed such that people who play the game system, who buy just the game system for the first time, never played HeroQuest before, yeah, they're, they're out there, and who are interested, 
and also get against the Ogre Horde and get no other expansions, we'll be able to have a complete campaign from the beginning to end that begins with the first quest of the game system and ends with the last quest of Against the Ogre Horde. And it'll be a valid experience. It'll be one that was designed that way because that's how the expansions have to be designed for maximum accessibility, maximum purchasability. I've made this point on the channel before, maybe on my other channel, <clears throat> but that is how they want to do these things. And that is a great way to do them. That's a, that's a great way to make sure that the most people get the most enjoyment out of a game system. For the rest of us who have struggled through the frozen horror and stomped our way through Rise of the Dread Moon, who have crushed countless skeletons in Return of the Witch Lord, and who tossed many orcs into the flames of the forge, metaphorically speaking, maybe literally, depending on how you roleplay your games, uh, in Keller's Keep, it's important. It's important that, you know, you realize you can change these quests up as Zargon. You can make them more difficult. You can have more enemies. You can change the configuration of enemies. You can raise body points. You can have the monsters defend on white shields instead of black. That increases their defense by 100%. That's 100% uh, chance increase in the odds that they will be able to defend themselves. And if you include the black shield as well, oh man, now they have a 50% chance altogether to defend on every roll of the die. These are things you can do if it's too easy for you at that point. I think you're still going to have situations that are interesting. You know, after after scraping by and crawling out of the frozen horror, barely alive, you'll have Rise of the Dread Moon. You'll have uh, Mage of the Mirror and Rise of the Dread Moon, and you'll, you'll be able to, to get through all of that and maybe build back up some of your resources. But I think against the Ogre Horde, we'll have challenges and rewards regardless for you. These ogres are not pushovers. Uh, so somewhere around here, I have my Against the Ogre Horde quest book. I have placed it somewhere. I did not place it back in my Hero Quest box of goodies. So that's a bit concerning for me, but I wanted to reference the body points uh, tracker, the variable body points tracker. And I, I did want to, of course, bring this up. The ogres this time around They've got a pretty solid fixed body point count on the cards that they were, uh, that the cards that were shown at the photographs taken at the festival, at the presentation. And while I fully expected this to happen, uh, it doesn't entirely kill my hope that there could be a variable body points tracker in the quest book. There could still be one in the rules. There could be still an homage. There could still be a quest, maybe a single quest, where they have this tracker, just for funsies, just to pay tribute. And if it's not in there, you know, I won't be surprised. This isn't an official prediction from Ash. But uh, there are a bunch of people who don't know how the, the VBP works, VBPT. And I'm, I'm going to help you understand it right now because it Against the Ogre Horde is my favorite of the expansions. I have played it. I have studied it meticulously. It is a ton of fun because of the challenge it brings. If, if you play it with um, the EU rule set appropriately as such, uh, a lot of interesting mechanics. For seven quests, the classic is quite challenging. The body points were not set in stone. You had you had a variable body points tracker 
And for every ogre that you attacked successfully, that you inflicted a body point's worth of damage on, you would make an X in a clear space on this tracker. This only applied to the ogres. All of the other monsters already have fixed hit points. Hit points, body points. The ogres could have anywhere from like two to five body points. So you've got, just like you would on a boss tracker, you've got white square, white square, black square. Uh, black square with skull in it, indicating death. White square, white square, white square. On the same track, black square. Two white squares and a black, four white squares and a black. Maybe you have a total of four of these configurations of, of white and black squares. And that's going to mean that there are four ogres in this quest. This is for Zargon's eyes only. This is for, this is, technically this is for Morkar's eyes only. This is a Morkar uh, joint. So, <clears throat> Your heroes successfully score a hit on Ogre A, okay? They just opened a door. Ogre A is revealed. Ogre A has been hit. Morkar puts a tick in the box or an X in the box or fills in the box. I don't, I don't know. Maybe, maybe he puts an M, just a, just a T pose on the, on the Zargon posers in the box, indicating that the ogre has suffered a point of damage. Now, the elf cocky as ever, opens the door that's in the room, revealing the contents of the next room. Why did you do that, elf? You idiot. You fool. Why? Typical elf. Why? Uh, elf's like, you guys got this, and I'll get whatever challenge is in the next room. Okay, so you reveal the contents of the next room, and that's going to be Ogre B. Ogre B is in the next room. Amazing. Crazy. And it's just a standard, bog-standard run-of-the-mill ogre. It's a it's an ogre warrior. A regular ogre in the uk version it was just ogre so these ogres they don't have the 10 body points of the classic ogres in mage of the mirror these ogres they don't have the five body points of the contemporary they in the classic they shared their body points across this tracker if the elf runs into this room and attacks this ogre ogre b successfully and inflicts one body point of damage more car is going to draw an X on the second white square. And in our example, if this white square is the last one before the skull symbol, the ogre that is struck dies. This means that ogre A, even though he had a wound account him, account against him, accounted for against him, the uh, white squares that are left on the track, we're going to say that there's three of them in this next section. He can soak up three points of damage before he dies now. It doesn't matter that he was hit once. Those body points, they're gone. They are, they're, not, they're no longer considered. Okay, so at this point you probably understand, but just in case you don't, now the dwarf who doesn't want to be one-upped by the elf, uh, he's thinking, I'm going to open a door and I'm going to go and see if I can't get me an ogre and kill it in one hit. This stupid elf, idiot moron the barbarian is like no it's my turn i'm gonna run up to this ogre and i'm gonna hit him and he runs up to ogre a who has not he was hit once but he's not dead um and he rolls two skulls successfully the the ogre does not roll any defense in return his defense fails two body points against ogre a okay okay more car goes down looks at his 
Variable body points tracker sees that he has three white squares next in the tracker. He fills in two of them, indicating that this ogre has been hit twice. Morkar does not have to do very much brain power here. He does not have a whole lot of cerebral output that is necessary. All he's got to do is see the skulls and check in the boxes. He can save his, his mind points for strategy. Perhaps he might even say something like, Oh, dwarf, you're not going to let the elf stand you up, are you? Show you up? Show you out? Stand you out? Anyway, the dwarf rolls two movement dice, gets a 12, easily, easily is able to make it through the next room in which the elf is standing, in which there is a corpse of an ogre, and opens the door, revealing Ogre C. Ogre C is revealed. The barbarian yells, You idiot! You could have attacked this ogre. What are you doing revealing more monsters? But the dwarf will have none of it. He's in a rage. He runs towards Ogre C. He rolls an attack dice. He again gets a skull. The heroes are just on fire with their luck. The ogre does not roll any defense. And so Morkar sees the skull. He looks down at the quest book. He sees that there's one white square left and he marks it. Guess what? Ogre C is now dead. But Ogre A is just as strong as ever. This, my friends, my fellow heroes, my fellow wicked evil sorcerers is how you play against the ogre horde and this is why i love the variable body points tracker the heroes have no idea which ogre is going to fall next they've got no idea if an ogre is going to take 10 points of damage or one because of how the system works there will probably be folks that are like no no you you keep track of them as more car you separate the body points across the four different that's not how it works though you go to the next white square regardless of which ogre you attack you go to the very next white square in the track it is as i explained such that an ogre that is following you through the depths that you are trying to avoid combat with will take in as many hits as as you can give him and still not die before all of the other ogres have died just due to luck and how the hits fall, and which ogres you're attacking. Granted, if all of your heroes attack the same ogre, and you wail away on that ogre until he is dead, then the body points tracker will very much be uh, separated into groups of white squares per ogre, because that's just how it'll end up working. Uh, But that element of the gameplay is very interesting to me. It really gives you a sense of, if I play this over again... It could play out very differently. You could have some ogres that are harder to kill. You could have some ogres that are that are much easier to kill. And let me tell you, all of the types of ogres, of which there are four, four different ogre types, all of them share this, this body point track, unless they are named bosses that have their own. Generally, they're all going to share this body point tracker. So it doesn't matter if you, you hit a, a weak warrior ogre three times there's still a body point tracker a body point left that only more car knows about you go in you you go into a room and you hit a chieftain a very strong ogre if he somehow does not mitigate your attack and you hit him for one body point of damage he's dead he goes down and that's just that's just something that makes the game so so interesting to me that's not the only reason this expansion is my favorite uh, it's also due to the different types of ogres. Now, these ogres aren't maybe my favorite sculpts. They're, they're a bit 
they're a bit cartoonish. They're a bit silly. But they look absolutely like the kind of creatures that Games Workshop makes them out to be. They look very much like they would eat other heroes whole without thinking about it. Like you are part of their 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 meal. When you face an ogre, that's that's your apex predator. I mean, he, he might not be very good at, at, at killing you, but he's going to eat you. Um, that he, he looks at you and he sees a steak wielding a blowed sword, wearing a loincloth. He looks at you and he sees some caviar with a wizard hat and robes carrying a staff. He looks at the dwarf and sees a pork tenderloin with a beard and a Viking helmet. This, my friends, is why I like the ogres. I also like the the sort of society that they have that's explained in the quest book. I like that the ogres are, are pretty neutral. They're just like, whatever, we're just hungry. You know, we're not on anybody's side. If you feed us more, maybe we'll be your friend. Uh, I like that aspect very much. It's a neutral party, and you're just trying to get the corrupted ones under control. I think that our... Our new expansion is very much going to follow that same storyline. I don't think we're going to see any deviation from that. But I do think the culture has been greatly expanded upon with um, the 2021 version of HeroQuest's take on on the ogre, ogres as a whole, as a society, as a race. Uh, there are other changes, of course, that we're going to see that are that are going to be pretty pretty definitive. Uh, I don't think there's much room for speculation. Uh, I think. We have proof that there are absolute changes here. One of them being we've got druids in this box, this new box that's coming out in just a few days. I'm so excited. And I don't know if I mentioned this. I probably did, but it's it's been a few takes. But this is just going to be available. It's just going to be at your friendly local game store. Man, I hope this business model works out for them so, so well. I hope that it's the end of staggered releases and staggered shipments i hope it's the end of the disgruntled uh hero quest fan i know that there's still going to be people that can't be pleased because that's always a thing and I'm, I'm sure that there will be entire countries that get lagged on which is something that does feel unfair and look unfair but um i hope that this business model does work better than past uh, attempts at the previous model so anyways, we're definitely getting the druid hero. We got two forms here. We got a male and female. They're halflings. That's pretty clear. Uh, it's been pretty clear. And we have a wolf, which could be used as the beast form of the druid. You could easily homebrew it as such for this halfling druid. But it looks like even more so that this is our official animal companion. It looks like this is what we wanted when Avalon Hill gave us their beta version of the Animal Companion system with their Snow Dasher character, which we were to represent by using uh, the Zargon token, the Zargon Mentor token from the game system. Uh, ugh, ugh, using tokens. I will use anything before I use a token to represent anybody. <clears throat> words cannot describe my distaste for tokens it is what it is and it was a free quest i mean it's not like i expected them to provide us with a miniature right but uh just just something about tokens i'll use a standee before i use a token 
but please give me a miniature. <laughs> please give me a miniature. I'm glad we have that. We have that now. This isn't this isn't necessarily proof that it is Snow Dasher specifically, but um, the wolf has its own card. Which, by the way, I'm going to take a little bit of time to gloat, and uh, I don't care if it comes back on me later with with future predictions. I did not expect so many of my predictions with Against the Ogre Horde to just be nailed. Uh, so many of my predictions went right with this one. I made some off-the-wall ones and got it right. I cannot believe it. Our wolf has a card, which is something that I'm very glad about. I, I thought it wouldn't make any sense at all if he didn't. Uh, I, I feel like it... I feel like the the calls just just made sense and um i'm i'm glad to see that they did make sense <laughs> not just to me but for the people making the game uh so definitely definitely feeling good about nailing all those predictions that that's uh that's my personal win there that's my personal yay me pat on the back good job for calling it doesn't affect anybody's gameplay whatsoever. It doesn't even matter in the slightest, but it does give me a boost of serotonin. Um, so that means that means my streak is not over. We'll see what what predictions I get wrong about the next X pack. And by the way, I don't know what exactly that'll be. I'm not convinced that Jungles of Delthrak is fake. I know that the box art was highly questioned for good reason. I'm not convinced necessarily that it was fake. Uh, not the box art necessarily. That that might have been a a promo. That, that, that might have been just something that was in the workroom. And you know they're not going to spit out something that's professionally made minute one. That might be minute one cutting cutting room floor material that we saw. Generally, I don't think store listings though are subject to, oh, this might exist. Let's make a listing for it. I think they're more oh, you've got plans for this. You've registered the name into the database from which we pull to base our listings and the MSRP and the availability. I really don't think that this was uh, uh, something that was fabricated. I'm willing to believe and bet that it was just a fluke on Avalon Hill's part. And that's something that we're going to see was simply released, uh, a piece of it was released a bit too early to someone it wasn't supposed to be released to. So with all that said, I'm excited about all of these these changes. I'm excited to see what Avalon Hill does with Against the Ogre Horde. You're going to see the unboxing on my AshQuest channel for sure. You're going to see a one-to-one comparison of all the new assets to the old. Uh, you're, we're going to see how the arena system works, which by the way is another addition, another change that they've made, an additive change. The arena mode has a tile that is bigger than any other hero quest tile that has been given to us to date. The box is chock full of stuff. And we see from pictures that we actually have both of our floor tiles that were in the original expansion, but rather than it being a single floor tile that is reversible, we have two separate floor tiles are printed on the same side of a, a a tile sheet which makes me wonder what's on the other side is it blank it could be blank it could just be black but it could also be new tiles it could be new versions of these tiles um definitely 
But, you know, it's interesting because it allows us to use both the tiles at the same time and none of the quests in the original needed us to do that. So I'm thinking that, you know, we know that we're going to have 10 quests. I don't think we're going to have any solo quests. I think the three additional quests will be campaign, group-based. I think they'll use these multiple tiles, these new copies of these tiles. So I guess I'm putting another prediction out there about that. Now, <clears throat> I talked a lot about the variable body point tracker. It kind of went off on a tangent, got lost, and then I, I didn't get to finish my thought. But I did want to give a shout out to uh, Avalon Hill again for their design considerations here. Uh, they gave the ogres hard capped body points. They gave them all definitive amounts of body points. And again, I think that we could see an homage to the tracker in the box somewhere, maybe. Um, not predicting it as such. I just think that it's possible. But um, I gotta say, there's there's been a few kind viewers who have sent screenshots and who have relayed, poorly, messages to me that I might have been, I might have been responsible for the ogre lord, or uh, in French, the, the ogre seigneur. Yes, I, I said it exactly correct. 100%, I'm sure. Who has 10 body points. That, that might be a result of my very vocal complaining that the mage of the mirror ogres in the contemporary version didn't have the 10 body points by default. And I just gotta say, I gotta clap. I have to applaud Avalon Hill uh, for thinking of maybe, maybe possibly me and maybe possibly some other people who, who knew the difficulty was stupid, but who may, all, all two of you out there out of the hundreds of, and, and, and thousands and maybe tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of HeroQuest players, <clears throat> uh, you know, all two of you who were with me um, and said, yeah, yeah, give the ogres 10 BP. Whoever you are, you never spoke up, but I believe that you're out there. <laughs> I believe I wasn't completely alone on that front. Uh, but this was also done incorrectly because the Ogre Lord didn't have 10 BP in the original. So I just have to say, no, you know, you had one job and you messed it up twice. I'm not appeased. I'm not appeased at the Ogre BP. That's my one salty take on this whole thing. You gave the Ogres too much BP this time around. Okay. Okay, so the Ogre Lord deserves to have a lot of BP. He's a strong boy. He's a strong boy. Uh, the sculpts are massive, by the way. You've seen the, you've seen the pictures. The sculpts for a lot of these ogres are enormous. Um, they're going to take up more than one tile on the board, which the old ones did not. So either we're going to have some crowding that we didn't have before, or the configurations will be different simply based on this fact that there's not going to be enough room for the ogres and whatever else is in some of these rooms. Uh, somebody who's intrepid can go into the classic X-Pack and find rooms where this might be possible. I don't know if there are any, but somebody can go through really quick and see if there's any room that would not be able to accommodate all of its enemies and furniture based on the new sizes of the ogres. And you might have a solid prediction as to how that they might change that particular room in this new version of the X-Pack. So, but regardless of how much room the sculpts take up on the board or how, how much bigger these sculpts are, we have some monstrously large ones here that I, I really, really love. This ogre lord is going to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with the frozen horror in my arena almost as soon as I get this game, for sure. But I got to say, of all the art direction they could have taken to make these ogres exist in the world of Hero Quest as we know it now, 
this was a great take. This was a great interpretation of the ogres. I couldn't tell you which one I I prefer because I really do love the the cartoony goofishness of the classic Warhammer Games Workshop style. And that that's something I'll continue to like. But this is a great take on them. They look like ogres. They're monstrous. They still look like when you enter the room, they're going to look at you like you are an appetizer. Uh, and I say appetizer now instead of entree because they're so much bigger. They're so much more large and in charge. Great job on that. Great job being brave on the sculpting and not pulling any punches on the sizes of these beastly creatures. These mammoths of men. And uh, yeah, really, just really glad to see ogre-sized sculpts. Thank you again, Avalon Hill. Definitely shilling here. Definitely an Avalon shill. That's pretty much all of my takes this time around. Uh, all of my viewpoints on it. I can't wait for Talisman. It is a good year to be Ash. It's a good, good year to love the stuff that I, I love playing and doing and seeing out there. And so much of this is so productive. It's so so positive it's so promising it's the three p's man it is look at us we we're we're on fire we get hero quest we get talisman and avalon hill they, they don't really miss they don't miss and i'm i know that against the ogre horde is the product of the era of avalon hill that that we all knew and, and loved before the layoffs. Um, and that it's, it's production ultimately was going to carry through the layoffs because, you know, the investment was done. The, the continued investment into marketing and stuff was probably already set up. All of the business aspects of this expansion were in motion regardless. So <clears throat> this one was going to happen. Do I believe that more Avalon Hill hero quest expansions are coming? Yes. And I might be being kind, but I, I'm saying we're getting at least three more. But I'm very happy because Avalon Hill have come out with just repeatedly things that were on my Hero Quest wish list. Last year, I think it was early last year, but it might have been the year before, I came out with a video on Amalgamash that talked about like the top 10 or 12 things that I wanted to see. And it was really just a laundry list of re-releases of all the classic expansions. I wanted to see The Dark Company. I wanted to see the UK only expansions, uh, EU, Australian, you know what I mean. I wanted to see an interpretation of the Japanese game system in a quest pack somehow. I wanted to see the release of the Mythic Tier stuff in some form, and we've seen so much of that. I think we're only missing, out of my original wish list. At this point, we're only missing Wizards of Morkar, which I have full faith is going to be something that is worked on and released using the system that is set forth with uh, against the Ogre Horde, using those design considerations, perhaps utilizing some of the feedback that we have as players while we play and experience against the Ogre Horde. And <clears throat> the Dark Company, of course, which doesn't need to be a whole campaign because it wasn't, um, and doesn't require four boards, because it didn't, uh, but could be presented in a campaign that is expanded on. And let's see, just Crypt of Perpetual Darkness. And other than, other than Crypt, 
which is still something I'm convinced is not promised to us, but something that I'm sure that they are continuing to work on, continuing to have slow conversations over email, suggesting that they get into to more involved meetings. Uh, Crypt of Perpetual Darkness, Wizards of Morkar, The Dark Company, the Japanese game system campaign, and maybe the Lost Dwarf and Wizard expansions, which Avalon Hill absolutely would have all of the copyrights and rights to do. That's six things, unless I can't count. And uh, with Jungles of Delthrak being a, a questionable seventh thing, something easily subject to be canceled or or renamed or reworked entirely such that the resultant product is uh, in completely unrecognizable if you were expecting the, the jungle expansion. Uh, I, I think Avalon Hill and HeroQuest have a long and productive, fulfilling future ahead of them. So uh, I think we do as well as HeroQuest enjoyers. So I'd love to hear all of your thoughts on this and, and if you've been posting multiple times uh, along with the podcast so as not to lose your thoughts, I love that. That, that engagement is just fine. I think that it's great. So if, uh, if you were worried about doing that, don't. Continue to do it. Post as much as you'd like. And revisit and repost if you want. Because the engagement helps me and it helps the channel in in ways that are tiresome to explain uh, and exhaustive because of the way that YouTube works. But absolutely, it helps the channel for you to do that. And if you just want to drop one comment that's fine. If you don't have any time at all, I hope that you can like the video because that also helps a lot more than I wish it did because uh, it's so cliche to say, you know, like and subscribe, but that's the call to action that helps the channel in the viewer's algorithms. So please do that if you can be bothered to. And uh, heroes, thank you so much for listening to the official podcast. I'm going to try to get out on more channels this week so that the range grows and, uh, and, and until I take over the world, basically, you know, in podcast form. I appreciate all your kind attention, and I'll see you in the next one. What do you think about all this stuff? Drop your comments below. Until then, have a great rest of your day. Now onward, brave heroes. <laughs>